when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is November 21st, 2016. This is Waypoint Radio, coming to you large and in charge, coming to you live. Still not live. We're still not live. That joke this is the second time today Austin, I said live. Austin, can I point out, that joke is not going to make any sense. Because you gotta listen to this in reverse order. The joke was made in a podcast that's going to air on Friday. Four days later. Spoilers, we recorded and we pre-recorded Friday's <laughs> podcast because of the holiday. Uh, it's a special email podcast, so definitely listen to that on Friday. Uh, during which I say, coming to you live from New York. And it was not. It was not live at all. Not it's still not. Slightly. We could be doing this one live, but that's we're true. not going to for no. reasons that are going to become clear shortly. Um <laughs> uh, really shortly yeah. very shortly i'm austin walker uh you find me on twitter at austin underscore walker i don't know why i'm doing Wait, these what are you doing with everything is falling apart <laughs> it's a patrick patrick it's been a long day <laughs> it has been we're recording the longest monday it's been we're recording at 4 10 p.m we normally record at 11 a.m yeah so we are five hours back we're just beginning our day right now Oh boy! <laughs> Joining me, Patrick Klepik, Danielle Riendo. Hi. The crew is all here. Oh, uh-huh. we're all going? here. We're large and we're in charge. Are we though? I mean, that's we what are. you said. You know what? At the very beginning, though. So. I haven't felt large and in charge today. <laughs> I know, Let's right? Breathe it in. Breathe it in. All right. Here we are. Where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with our homework? Do you want to start with? Yeah, uh, let's start with homework because that's where we left off. I think we did. Uh, sure. I said. I said. You know what? This is a. If this was a meme, this would go like this: Me, uh, make sure you do your homework and play Dishonored too. Also, me didn't play any Dishonored. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't have time this weekend. Um, but I still like. I'm still fairly. I'm like in the middle of the first act of that game, so I think I can still contribute to this conversation. But you didn't get to uh, the Clockwork Mansion, no. Okay. I not didn't. that. How is it? Well, not that. Not that I would talk about it anyway, because the uh, let's let's call it a trick to the way the, the 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 level operates, and so I wouldn't want to spoil what that trick is. That's okay. part of the reveal is very fun, but I um, uh, one of the things that is uh, noticeable about Designer Two is the, the just the intricacy of the level design um, is uh, if they're much bigger, they feel, but they're not they're not okay. That's the wrong word. There's a lot more depth to. Uh, the areas in Dishonored 2. They're not okay. necessarily bigger. Like in, in fact, they're probably similar sizes to uh, the original Dishonored, but I just feel like there's a lot more going on in each of the areas. Like one of the ways they accomplish that is just there's a shitload of windows you can go in. Hmm. Just right. windows yeah. you can go in all over. Um, and they sort of ha- they sort of include a lot of storytelling in these apartments that you can find your way into uh, in a way that I've really enjoyed. You know, this these. These small storytelling moments that the the last game was good for, 
Um, this game is even more so. Um, like, for example, you know, I went into a... Um, uh, I broke into some guy's apartment, um, and, you know, like, he was hiding, like, a gun underneath uh, his pillow. And then there's, like, a note explaining why he's doing that. And there's all these, like, little world-building things that Dishonored does uh, really well and is part of the reason I love, um, I guess, now a series at this point. Um, right. That, that I find the sequel is doing uh, really... It's, just, it's a world that I like being in, uh, even if it uh, runs at half the frame rate. It just, you know, it really wants me to, <laughs> it wants me to earn, earn my enjoyment. Your rig isn't able to keep up with the latest games, Patrick? Emily's too fast. It's true, it's true. yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Actually, that's a question. Are we all playing as Emily, uh, Emily Caldwin? Yeah, we are. Patrick, yeah, it was not. PS4. It was not. A, it was not a question. If I was gonna, if I was gonna play the game once, I wanted to. Uh, part part of the reason I chose to play as her was because, with these types of games in particular, um, I have a habit of falling into doing the exact same strategy for how I approach every situation. Um, so it's like if I was gonna have a similar set of powers playing as Corvo in the sequel, right. I'm. I was like, hey, I know what I know what worked last time. You know, I'm going to just do this again and make it through these uh, different uh, sequences. <laughs> now, granted, you know, any good level design and enemy uh, design is going to find ways to uh, push you to have to do different things. But uh, I'll find that even sometimes I'll brute force my way with stuff that I'm just used to. Um, and so I wanted to purposely play someone that had a similar set of powers. The difference between Emily and Corvo, my understanding, is not like a, a hugely different, but they, they do differentiate in different ways. Um and uh, so I just wanted to try and play as a character that forced me to play the game slightly differently. So like with with Emily, um, and I'm really not familiar with Corvo's moveset. So if, if there's... Yeah, maybe he does have... I don't know if he has new stuff this time around. I don't, I, yeah. I actually haven't I, even looked into it. Um, you know, like one of the ones I've had a lot of fun with in Designer 2 is uh, where you can create a, a clone of yourself um, that right. runs around. And there's an upgrade for that power uh, that... Uh, when they kill your clone, it bursts into a cloud of smoke, um, momentarily distracting uh, some of the enemies. And so one of the ways that I've been using that is, for example, like, uh, you know, getting in front of a door, setting a stun mine in front of that mm. door, uh, upgrading the stun mine so it operates twice, and then setting off the uh, hallucination or, or whatever you're, you're conjuring uh, so right. that uh, p the guards get alerted. And then those guards come running over, and then they hit the stun mine, they hit the stun mine. The other one that I really love uh, with her is the ability to link enemies together. So they Right, that's domino, right? Yeah, they, they, so they react the same uh, based on what happens to one of them. It's, like, very useful for taking out groups of enemies where, yeah. you know, you can just, you know, take a bottle, distract one enemy, but they've been linked uh, mentally, and then go up oh. and... Uh, you know, uh, choke out uh, or kill uh, one of them, and probably talking about that tension between whether you should play passive or or, or play, yeah, yeah, play yeah. non uh, uh, lethally or non lethally whatever, right? or high chaos. Uh, but it's I've found that to be like tremendously enjoyable of like taking out like two or three enemies uh, at once, like by chaining them up and setting up these uh, sort of different sets of uh, pieces. And I find that Emily has just a ton of options for you to manipulate the world in a way that feels at least. Uh, Substantially different than how I played the original game. Right. Can you can you domino the doppelganger that you set up? Um, I don't. Th I don't think. So. Oh, so like choke your own self out and yeah. take out. I don't think so, but I do know that I saw an animated GIF of um. So if if you jump off of a you know a building from a a, a huge height, uh, the only way for you to not take damage is to yeah. either uh, uh use the blink um 
uh, uh, power if you're Corvo or the far reach power far if, reach, you're, yeah. uh, if you're uh, Emily. Um, and uh, you can use that to kind of like nullify your fall. But uh, you can also conjure a clone of yourself, tackle that clone to the ground, and use that to jump uh, from really high heights and, uh, and right. break your fall, which is a... You know, I, I remember seeing like someone, uh, Harvey Smith, who we had on the podcast weeks ago. I, I always wonder how much of that stuff is unintended consequences of the stuff they build into the world. And then they suddenly realize that players are going to use it that way or if that's stuff that they right. they think people are going to use. And then they're just curious to see how it plays out. How it all comes out. Yeah, totally. Are you are you finding that you're playing through lethally or non-lethally? Or well, here, here's the thing. Uh, so I, I try to play through non-lethally. Uh, um, but... I think we've talked about this at least in in our like private Discord chats and stuff like that. I don't know if it's just this one, or if I felt this way in the original game and I don't remember it. But uh, it's a game that seems like it would be more enjoyable to play killing things, like not <laughs> yeah. like not being yeah. a jerk about it. But like there are just like there are situations where the people I'm faced up against, like there's no gray area. No. Like, well, so there is. Did, I, did we talk last week about this about the heart this this time? A little bit. We did. We brought it up that there are different. Well, we brought it, and we actually brought it up not last week, but right. I think we Friday the week before. Like, oh, oh but that, I'm pretty yeah, sure we've talked about... a little bit about the heart and how it's and how, like talks about the world stories and like you know you, yeah. you point it to so, people and it's like some people just want to go home to have dinner with their right. kids and some people so, are like a total asshole. <laughs> so that's the thing is yeah. apparently if you kill the total asshole, so you can hold up this heart, which is like your mother or your ex lovers, depending on which character you play as, yeah. uh, consciousness trapped in this heart. Um, and it will tell you things like, oh, this place used to be a way beautiful, and now it sucks. That's my impression <laughs> of the former empress. It's really good. Uh, it's very yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, or she'll say like, oh, that guy over there is just a huge dick all the time to all his whole family. <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad if he was dead, I guess. She doesn't say that part, but you, you should, you should, you you should have written for this game. Awesome. You I, read you know, it between it's... the lines. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was me or Kara Ellison. And I was like, they right. go with Kara. She seems a little smarter. Clearly. Um, so they. Uh, so so you can do that and be like, okay. And I have done this while playing. It's like, who's in this room? Who is shitty enough for me to not care if, if things go wrong? Or like, really, I guess what I do is I, I look at everybody in the room and I say like, okay, this is like four people who are just doing their fucking job. All they want to do is go home and see their family. All they want to do is like make the world a better place. I'll be, I'll try my best not to like hurt anybody for real. But there are other times where it's just like, this guy has a gambling den and he takes all the money to invest in, in evil drugs. And like, okay, well, uh, they're evil. They're evil drugs. They called them evil drugs. <laughs> Good. I'm gonna have like if things. I'm gonna try to be stealthy and try not to hurt anybody. But if things go wrong, things go wrong. Like that guy does dog fighting. Mm, I'm not gonna. You know, if something happens, if he slips on my knife, like that happened. Yeah. So what? I kind of <laughs> like that. <aspect>. Sorry, Michael <laughs> Vick. Yeah. I had this situation where. Uh, uh, so one of the things I saw, I saw someone mention this on Twitter, and then I thought I would start incorporating it into my game, which is that, uh, so when you knock people out, um, uh, you know, you can't just leave them lying about, and Dishonored 2 doesn't have enough enemies that you usually have to worry too often about people stumbling upon stuff, you know, uh, the other uh, people you've taken out. It can happen, but it's, it just doesn't happen often enough for you to really have to worry about it. So usually I just leave the body sitting there. Um, and instead people, this one person on Twitter <laughs> said like, I try to leave the bodies in places that would really freak them out if they woke up. And I thought that was like a really funny idea. So now I just start taking the bodies and creating like elaborate scenarios with the bodies, like, you know, like shoving four bodies into a bathroom, like all right. in the toilet together. Or, yes. um, so specifically I had this, <laughs> this one scenario 
where uh, one of the levels involves a museum, and in the in the center of it uh, are these giant uh, like owls or eagles, um, like uh, these giant creatures that are kind of strung up, and you can use them as platforms to to get around um, the the various levels of the world. Um, and so I had taken out one of these one of the enemies. I was like, all right, well I'm gonna go perch her up on that owl and like whoa you wake up in the middle of the museum on top of this owl that's whoa you've you, you've been on some shit the night before and and so i set her down but the game uh has uh you know ragdoll physics or some you know form oh, no. of physics and so i oh, i tried to set her down gently instead she just tumbled off of the <laughs> the owl oh, no. and hit the ground and from a certain height the game won't kill an enemy but at, at, a, at a certain height the game will at register owl that height. <laughs> yeah at owl height she hit the ground and i was like oh i'm fine i was like i'll go down there and check and see if like you know the game uh the game will let you know if a character is dead or unconscious if you put, right. put the icon over it and it, i didn't actually need to be informed of that because i saw the pool of blood forming from right. their head <laughs> that told me they, they probably didn't survive that fall but one thing that i found frustrating was i had made it through um it was very particular about how I, uh, you know, approached the game and, and was trying not to kill anyone. And yet, in two different levels, I've made it to the end, and it says I've killed two people. Right. Um, which makes me think it's a scenario where, uh, like, let's say, so in this game, uh, you have to fight a lot of what they call blood flies, which are yeah. just like gross uh, giant Super mosquitoes. mosquitoes. They're gross. Gross squidos. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. um, you know, like you can equip certain bone charms that like increase your mana and HP uh, with, with with if you're attacking them. But mostly, you're just kind of slashing your way through a lot of them. And so I'm fairly sure like there's been like a couple of people that I've just accidentally killed because I'm slashing around getting through things and I just didn't realize it. So it's a little frustrating. But I don't, uh, you know, like I'm not worried about achievements and things like that. It's more just kind of a bummer. I wish there was some way the game indicated that in a right. way that like I shouldn't have to go to a stat screen. Um, but but I don't know. The game's combat is really good, and I like the fact yeah, that it, I, it, it has these sort of like sort of conversations like that you were that you were talking about that tries to give you a uh, beyond just a binary moral choice yeah. um, to think about whether you're killing or not killing. But I find it's at a tension with the fact that the game is just more fun when you're engaging with the combat. The than combat, it is. totally. Like I think that the sword play is really fun. I think that the gunplay is actually surprisingly like uh, uh, there's a punch to the, the the pistols feel almost like shotguns sometimes because of the punch that they have. And I I'm doing my best to try to consider Emily Caldwin like a, a moral realist in some ways of just like <laughs> listen, my empire is there's a coup. I can't not fight back. Uh, and sometimes that means people are not going to go out of my way to just like, kill a bunch of people. But my job is to go is to do this, and in the process of trying to to do this, people are going to get hurt. Um, I, I will probably continue trying to sur- like succeed at the each mission objective with the non lethal option. There was a really cool one in the hospital I was just in. Oh, um, some of those get pretty. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are there's, they, do there's, they get, there's do one they get in particular to where it's, like, worse than killing? You could you could argue yes. Okay, because see, the first game definitely has those things. I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to erase their identity and send them off to a labor camp. Yeah. Um, isn't that what? Isn't that the one you do with the two, the twins? The yeah, the, the twins, the, the brothers, in the brothel. Um, yes, totally. Uh, so there is one, and it's the section you're about to come up to in the uh, Clockwork Mansion, which other other than being one of the most interesting levels I've probably ever played in a video game, um, huh. and you'll understand why when you get to it. There's just there's a lot going on there, and maybe in a week or two we can go back and look at that level without feeling yeah, like we're spoiling yeah, yeah. it for people. We'll but spoiler cast, um, yeah. The um, 
But the choice you're given at the end seems like the obvious one. And for people who haven't played Dishonored, basically what, what we're uh, talking about is that for each mission has sort of a target at the end. And you have two ways of dealing with that target. One involves just killing them outright. And then another is usually some other way of uh, either neutralizing them or in some ways recruiting them. Like there is just another path. Um, right. But the game did really well in the first one and doesn't do so much until this particular mission. The the consequences, the conclusion of the non-lethal path, like felt like I was I was probably better off. This guy was Just evil. This I probably should have killed him because what I did to him and the consequences of that like felt worse than just slitting his throat. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, I'm excited to get there and yeah. see what that is. Get have psyched to feel yet? weird morally. Uh, finally. Video games make me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. How far in are you, Danielle? Uh, I'm pretty close to the start still. I'm only a couple hours okay. in. Um, cool. But I I guess the main thing for me is just that I'm I'm just really excited to be back in that world. Yeah. Uh, because I really enjoyed the first game, even though I didn't quite finish it. Um, played a little bit of it on stream and was like, oh, God, this was awesome. It, yeah. it just feels like kind of the best immersive sim we kind of have right now. It feels like Deus Ex maybe is going a little bit more of an action-y route, and this feels more like a pure, like a real immersive sim. Like, all the all the stories you're telling me, Patrick, about, like, trying to put the this guard on the owl and, and seeing what happens with that and sort of having all these weird things that you can do and sort of the way that the systems respect player choice in that mm. way and really kind of allow you to do all these rich and weird and bizarre things and, uh, you know, reacts to that. Makes me, yeah, makes me feel like, yeah, this is... This is kind of the best series for that. Yeah, right I now. really need to put more time into it. I actually had a different um, one of those like uh, emergent gameplay moments yeah. <laughs> in uh, Watch Dogs Two the other night. Um, so to set this up, two things. One, a thing I'm happy about in Watch Dogs Two is that you can dance now. Good. There's an emote button. You hold down the down button on the, the D-pad. There was there wasn't all the reviews for the original Watch Dogs. Was like, oh man, this game is kind of yes. weirdly racist, and then also I can't dance. Well, for real, like I mean, <laughs> yes. yes, it was weirdly racist, and also it was, and this was like for real, joyless a part. Joy, yeah, well, not dour. just joyless, yeah. but also like, you're in this big world that's filled with all of these automatons who have details about their lives and who play the trumpet and who dance and who sing, and you literally cannot interact with them in any way except for by robbing them or hitting them or shooting them. <laughs> um, and so I really like that Marcus has the ability to like go around and flirt with people or or cheer people on or dance. He's like a couple of different things that he can do or like calm people down. There's been a couple of times where like you can like two people are arguing and I've gone over and been like, "Hey, chill, 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 chill." And then they just like storm off apart from each other, which is really cool. Um because the characters react to whatever you're doing. So, in this case, there was a guy who was playing either the ukulele or um uh what's the the, the, the thing, the you squeeze it. You uh, squeeze it. Accordion. He was uh, playing oh. an accordion. <laughs> oh, oh, squeeze. Oh, I was that. like a like a little horn, like a little. <laughs> like, I was uh, like, he was playing the accordion, and and I'm like, oh man, dope accordion, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hit the dance button. And I started dancing, and the guy's like, hey, cool, good. And some other people came over and took like like self not selfies, took like, photos of us. And then this like business dude came over, and was like, this city, I'm a tech bro, I hate fun. <laughs> <laughs> gentrification is Sounds good like actually. San Francisco, actually that's yeah that's what he said Very close uh, yeah. and he, he like stormed off 
And at that moment, I was like, man, I'm going to do a thing I've never done before in this game. I've upgraded these abilities. That's not true. I've done them once. I used this once before, which was um, there, there's an ability that you have, which is like call the cops on somebody. You basically forge uh, evidence that they, are, that they are criminals and the police will show up to arrest them, right? And I think that ability is super shitty because like <laughs> a lot of the stuff in Watch Dogs 2 you are like standing up against it, but then also get it as an ability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're like, man, it's terrible that the government is spending money to build robot cops and have like untraceable like weapons. Also check out my cool 3d printed handgun. <laughs> like, uh, like, Oh, yeah. it's really shitty how the cops are, are uh, able to designate certain areas as like, uh, you know, open season zones basically where you can just kill people and it won't go noticed. That's the worst. Algorithms are bad. Also, let me call the cops on this guy and say he's a terrorist, even though he isn't. And so I'm like, Whoa, I'm never doing that. That doesn't seem like a thing Marcus would do. That's literally the shit he's mad about. Except this tech bro didn't like that. I was dancing and having fun because he's a (laughs) shitty guy. So I hit the button. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah. You're on the list now. And then the police like siren you hit here from down the road. And, He's like walking by and I'm dancing. I'm like, ha ha, he's going to get his. And then I hear like, like just thump. And then like, okay, what the fuck just happened? And I turn and look and I expect him to be like knocked out or dead or something. But he just like turns the corner. The tech bird like walks away. I'm like, what happened? And then I like run out. I start running after him and I call, catch out of the corner of my eye the fact that there's a body in the street. And then the police car like drives away. And so I turn to the left and I look over at the body and it's just like, you know, a 20-something-year-old 20 20 girl who, when I, like, do the connection thing, like the, like, the CTOS thing, is just like, oh, she loves whatever, like, she's in a, in a commune or whatever, like, just a fact about her life. She makes, you know, $42,000 a year, which is not enough to live in San Francisco comfortably. a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and she's dead. And then I hear another siren, and the ambulance pulls up, and a guy comes over who's, like, a paramedic, and he's like, yeah, well, we could take her to the hospital, but uh, it was definitely too late for her. And it's like, well, fuck. Like, I, I got petty about this dude, and I wanted to give him his just dessert. And in the process, the cops ran over this innocent woman because they were rushing to go capture this terrorist. Also, they didn't even go after that dude. They hit that woman, and they're like, all right, peace. We got to go. <laughs> they didn't stick around. Um, and it was just this moment of like, well, fuck. Like, huh. That's not the outcome I expected. I expected to feel a little bit guilty when they arrested this innocent guy because he was being a dick. Uh, but I didn't expect collateral damage, and I don't know like if she ran in front of the car. I don't know if it just timed itself well. But I really love when games produce those sorts of uh, little storytelling moments where it's like, well, cool. This is one of the reasons why you don't fuck with technology like this. Uh, other than that, Watch Dogs Two remains pretty good. Um, I think it had a couple of missions in a row that I wasn't thrilled with, uh, but then it had a really good one. So I'm, I'm back on board and closing in on the end of that. Hopefully, I'll have that done by next week and we'll maybe talk about how it how it stands up i, I want to point out uh one of the more uh so i was playing in sound of two they have this uh you know these these bone charms are things that you equip so that you can um uh you're gonna you get certain traits like oh if you uh uh if you jump twice you you know gain mana or something like that so you're collecting these all throughout the world and one of the new wrinkles in dishonor 2 is that you can uh sacrifice them basically break them and then forge new right. ones so yeah, you can yeah. uh you 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 can create you can sacrifice one to learn the attribute and then take that attribute and apply it to a new bone charm and you can upgrade a, a skill tree so that you can apply three or four uh, traits together um, and one of the ones that I did early uh, was uh, so uh, was uh, sacrifice the one that allows you to uh, drink 
uh, water out of a tap and regain your health. And there's another one that allows you to drink water out of a tap and regain your mana. So I made one where you <laughs> you drink water out of a tap to regain your health and mana. So they're like constantly as I'm playing the game, like I never fall below. Like you can only have ten uh, health and mana, like uh, potions, can yeah. canisters, potions. Um, yeah. I always have ten. Like and I play you the only game. You use one whenever you see. Yeah, there's another and I, and one yeah, that you can and get. I, I, yeah, and I, but I, I always have way too many. I will never fall to a, a point where I'm ever concerned. <laughs> but uh, so, but because I'm so uh, meticulous about it, like it's, I, I will then find myself looking for rooms with a bunch of taps in them, and I'm just <laughs> running around the room, just hitting like turning this tap, turning this tap, turning this tap, because you can stack them. So I've got like six oh, taps man. of water running at the same time and watching all my meters go bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> And I'm like yeah. dashing around the room, just like trying to time my taps Listen, right so I can get em it all up. Emily's thirsty, you know. She, she has oh, that thirst. Thirsty she girl. Is. She is. Uh, it's uh, and it's stuff like that. It's it's like it's a really goofy. Like mm -hmm. it's it's otherwise like a pretty serious game, and yet here I am running around the room like chugging water, <laughs> trying to get trying to get my uh my health back up. Yeah, this is a true I feel origin like... story for the Wet Bandits of. Uh, <laughs> uh, Great. Good. The uh the thing with with that game that is bugging me a little not bugging me I listened I watched some people play as Corvo the other day and Corvo sounds bad Corvo <laughs> doesn't sound good It's a new voice actor right Was there a Corvo in the first game like a mm. voice acting Oh maybe not he maybe silent. he wasn't silent yeah. Yeah. yeah Um because I just I it's just one of those things of like hmm man like you're a little campier than everybody else in this game yeah. like just a little bit chewing that scenery up where I think Emily is actually fairly good yeah, no, yeah, she's fine. I mean, you know, the even the story of the game is sort of, you know, neither here nor there. Like, it's fine. You know, yeah. it's, it's, but I, you know, I'm not there for that in these games. Uh, You're uh, there to poke around. And I, I guess, like, I want one that's, like, the most recent Deus Ex didn't land for me really as, as well as I'd hoped it would. And I love these games just like you guys do. And so I really was hoping that, like, I like the world a lot in Dishonored, and so I yeah. think, like both of you, it's the little moments of storytelling and so, some light characterization stuff that's really compelling, and I want, I want more of that. I want more of that, and I want it to be applied to the main plot stuff. We've talked before about how often it seems that the coolest bits of games are in the weird nooks and side quests oh, nice. and stuff like that, yeah. and not the main plot, and, and that's something that, I don't know, that's an interesting, that's an interesting dilemma of modern game design, so yeah. something to think about. Huh, other other interesting dilemmas of modern game design. So a thing that could happen, let's say, if you were someone who wanted to make a game uh, and like really poured your heart and soul into it, is maybe you make it really good and then it gets nominated for an award, which is dope. But then the problem could be that you're using IP you don't own. <laughs> and then maybe the award stops being offered to you. Not the award, but the nomination is, is revoked. That happened this week to uh, the makers of two games, uh, Pokemon Uranium and AM2R, both of which were up for Best Fan Work, uh, Best Fan Creation at the Game Awards, Jeff Keighley's kind of uh, award show that, I guess I guess you could fairly say that was a spinoff of the kind of VGAs and the VGX yeah. awards. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I don't know, I, I'm kind of bummed by this. I, I get it. Do you know any other details about it, Patrick or Danielle? No, they haven't. They haven't disclosed anything um you know i think we can make a safe assumption that it was removed uh, because of something with nintendo um it's it's unlikely that they would have taken these games off the list just because they felt like taking them off um and nintendo historically has yeah. been uh extremely uh proactive slash conservative about how they allow people to use um their 
um, their franchises, their intellectual property. So the idea that Nintendo would have a problem with this, and especially for these two ones being ones that they yeah. specifically had issued cease and desist orders uh, for, you know, it's one thing if it's a fan project that the publisher has either looked the other way on um, or has tacitly endorsed, which I think is the case for something like Brutal Doom, which is kind mm. of also playing in some uh, some uh, muddy totally. waters. But um, but but the people who are involved in that IP have kind of let it be uh, or or at least are, are, are okay with it. Um, it would be odd for Nintendo to, you know, like participate in an award show that is celebrating. Some- hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Something that they have said is legally unfounded. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. So yeah, the other two games that are up in this fan creation category are Brutal Doom 64, like you said, and Ender All, the Shards of Order, which is the... the, big Skyrim, like, total conversion mod with the whole new world and stuff. We actually had stories run about Enderall, and we also had a story run, a really great story, both about Enderall and about uh, AM2R, which is the other game that was pulled down. Which uh, is another, another Metroid, Metroid 2 remake, in case Correct. folks are... Yeah, so look into the, those stories. They're great. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things that I, I do totally get it. Of course, this is what happened. But also, I just, it's a bummer to not be able to have that, those games recognized for the work that's gone into them yeah it's especially a little crappy at least uh from my point of view just because it was it's so clearly you know the the category is about fan art and like you know fan work it's not saying oh this is the best game this is saying this is the coolest sort of like fan tribute thing uh that you know it it probably it it would look nice for nintendo maybe to let them (laughs) totally (laughs) like it's also it's also one of those things of like, it's the the actual thing is like for fan created content such as mods, fan films, and other player content, it's all a gray area. None of that right. stuff is up and down like capital L legal. It's all uh, it could all fall apart at any moment because someone could send a cease and desist, um, or or request politely that you pull it again. We have no idea why these these like specifically were pulled from the game awards. It's all speculation at this point. Um, and I get that you have to you have to police your your marks. You have to you know you have to police your IP. It's just like the, those both of those projects are really fantastic, and it, it just sucks that they couldn't be part of this thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's my. I wish to you know, and this is kind of my feeling when any of this stuff happens, whether it's uh, you know, like the you know, I've for the last year and a half or so followed like pretty closely like localization issues. Um, yeah. Nintendo's at the heart of a lot of these. Um, uh, in which I, I think people, a lot of people's frustration is the fact that there's such a closed box. Um, mm-hmm. And Nintendo's not alone uh, in this. Um, but when, you know, if Nintendo, Nintendo came out and outlined, here's why we can't be okay with this, and here's why it's a problem for us as a company, and here's why we had to take it down, but we appreciate the passion that fans show, you know, I think people would have a much different response to what is probably something they legally have to do, but the way they go about it makes it feel shady, anti-fan, and uh, creates sort of a, um, 
antagonist relationship with a company who has some of the most beloved franchises and characters. Like, they're the company that is the most aggressive about this stuff, yet owns the franchises and characters that people are the most passionate about doing it for. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you look at, the, you know, the well, way, that, like, uh, Sega has kind of recast Sonic, um, even in just social media in the last, like, two years or so, um, even going so far as to... Uh, have their social media team go on the comments for trailers for mods yep. that people have made and say, this is cool, man. Keep doing your thing. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, they may be doing that because they might realize, like, we don't have a lot of credibility. <laughs> we um, have to keep what we got. Yeah. Um, oh. And and it's unfortunate that, you know, I don't expect Nintendo to go on a YouTube comments and say something snarky. But um, even just, you know, if their PR people put out a statement that was like, we appreciate the hard work that people have put into blah, 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 blah. But you know, but unfortunately, our, yep. unfortunately, because we have to protect. And if they gave an example, like here's how this would work out, if it, if you know, I don't know. It's just there, like a mild bit of transparency would go a long way. And this only fits a cynical, ugly mold of how they have treated their fan projects uh, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in a way that I understand why it happened the way it did, but the fact that they're going to continue to remain silent about it is only going to make people more frustrated about their relationship with a company that. You know, you know, you know, Nintendo needs, you know, their fans, right? Like, you know, they're not, it's not like they're sitting on the top of the world anymore. And it's, um, especially when you're about to launch a new console where you're going to need ambassadors for that thing. Yeah. 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 And they'll be fine. You know, Super Mario I mean, that's probably going to be a big hit. And that's, do you Nintendo think that that's what's happening though? Is it, Go. do you think that they're running that calculus in their heads, which is like, all right, what is the worst outcome for pulling these things from this game award thing or from t setting the cease and desist for AM2R? Is it like people get mad about it for three days and then move on with their lives, and so who cares? Whereas the worst possible outcome for letting it stay up is some terrible legal crisis. I have to assume the folks in America are probably doing some of that calculus, but I don't know if the folks in Japan are doing that, and that's maybe where oh, part so of the you're thinking that, comes from. Yeah, that, that's a thing I've definitely heard, but again, we, we can't speak with authority necessarily. No, no, that was just a guess. But, I can I can speak yeah. with some authority talking to uh, mm. very you know because I follow a lot of these issues I've talked to various folks over the years uh, you know on and off the record and if I was to sort of sum up um, what I've heard about their you know the American divisions are well aware and right. not happy with you know the whole scale of some of these decisions um, I'm yeah. speaking broadly and I'm not speaking You're specifically not speaking about Nintendo, Nintendo or, or any but... any company in particular but I would say in, in a broad spectrum. Um, a lot of the American divisions, you know, look at YouTube stuff, like all these YouTube takedown notices. Um, right. That the happen. Persona 5 stuff that happened this year. Yeah. Atlas, yeah. Like the, the companies on each side of these, like they have different uh, approaches to this. And, and also it's just the relationship that different um, uh, countries and cultures have to the idea of like appropriating uh, intellectual property is, is different. And just in Japan, my understanding is the calculus is just this is ours you can't do what you want with it. And so that applies to YouTube. That applies to these fan projects. It is a very simple... They're not thinking about, oh, are people going to be angry? Are they going to get over it? It is literally, you're not allowed to do this, so you're not allowed to do this. And in America, right. um, or I guess maybe more in Western culture, um, there has been an approach that's more like, well... You know, maybe it's not technically legal, but it helps yeah. us. If it sells and, more like, copies in the long run. Yeah, well, like, the you thing know. Is, the thing that's weird is that there is also, 
it, it isn't, I don't think, as simple as like East versus West here because Japan has a huge culture of fan games. Yeah. We just ran a story the on the, the Toho yeah. Project, which is a, a, is a specific thing, but that has a ton of doujin games. Doujin are like the like fan games. And there's another uh, uh, kind of fan game connection travesty happening at the the game awards this year i'm protesting you should be protesting you know uh uh right now in the in the game awards every category <laughs> can have up to five nominees for instance best role-playing game includes dark souls 3 deus ex mankind divided the witcher 3 wild hunt blood and wine world of warcraft legion and xenoblade chronicles x i'm not sure why deus ex is there necessarily but that's not my beef my beef is if you turn and look at best fighting game there are only four games four games in the best fighting game category those four games are killer instinct season three that's a season that's not even a new mm -hmm. game king of fighters 14 pokken tournament and street fighter 5 which better not win because it didn't do a good year this is a bad year for street fighter 5 <laughs> so my problem is that's only four games there's an extra slot there and i know i'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit i nominated another game that is not on this list and that game is your best game of the year and fight in the fighting genre and mine nitro plus blasters heroines infinite dual blasters with a z just to be clear <laughs> nitro i'll say it one more time nitro plus you spell out the plus it's not a plus sign it's it stylized as a plus sign on the, the art but it's actually spelled out n-i-t-r-o-p-l-u-s space blasters with a z b-l-a-s-t-e-r-z colon heroines infinite duel which is the sequel to the dojin game nitro plus but in this one it's an actual plus the plus symbol it doesn't say plus with a p-l-u-s nitro plus royale or royal depending on what what territory you're in heroines duel you see the new one it's not royal or royale it's blasters and, and also it's not a regular duel it's an infinite duel that game is really good and should be on this list that is the case I'm making. Go to Twitter and Facebook and use your hashtags. Use them. The uh, hashtag <laughs> we want we want Nitro plus the Game Awards. Nitro hashtag building the, the blasters. Building the blasters. Uh, hashtag infinite duel. I want to infinite duel you, Jeff Keeley, over your lack of including Nitro plus blasters. Heroines infinite duel on the Game Awards. I know that the game has other fans. Jeff Gerstmann and I think that this is a quality game. I believe Jason A. Stryker does too. That has great characters in it. One of them has a sniper rifle. Her super move is you, you go on, you jump up off the screen, and then suddenly there's a reticle on the screen. And instead of doing punches, you have a sniper rifle, and you have to snipe somebody. And that's really fun and good. There are support characters. There are people from... Uh, it's anime people in this game, Patrick. I know you're a big oh, anime fan. Well, if you, you love the anime... Are you still talking? I don't know. I blacked love... out like two minutes ago. <laughs> if you love the anime Psychopath, guess what? Psychopath is real in Nitro Plus Blasters Heroines Infinite Duels, where you can play as the character from Psychopath who has her gun that determines if you are a criminal or not. And it turns out everybody in this game is a criminal because then she shoots them. Oh, wow. Awesome. Nitro Plus Blasters. You're, you're, a, you're a criminal for making me sit through that. Nitro Plus Blasters Infinite Duel. Heroines Infinite Duel. It's good. It should be on this list. It really should. I, it, should it, should just be, it should just be on this list. I just. <laughs> Just make it Waypoint's Game of the Year and just move on. Did like, I do oh, that? Is that a what, thing? What did, we, what did we do for our Game of the Year this year? Oh, we just gave it to this anime <laughs> fighting game and just moved it's on. Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroines Infinite Duel. Good. Good. Thank you. Thank you for letting me do my stump speech Good. on Nitro Plus Blasters. I... Anime 2016. <sighs> Things well, would be... 2018. Mm. 2018, <laughs> midterms, yeah. uh, anime midterms. Oh, the anime midterms. They're going to be, I hope the turnout is good. That's all I <laughs> can say. Me too. You got to get out there and vote for your anime, kids. <laughs> all right, I got that off my chest. That's all been, right. I've been saying it's been a long day, and that's part of it. I've had mm -hmm. that just it's all, it's all right here. Yeah. Right here. There's a super move where the, a band comes on, they play music. Okay. Awesome. What's up? Good. 
you you got oh you gotta stop. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go into the question bucket. Okay. Let's oh, get man. that bucket. We spent a lot of time in the question bucket. Today. I know we're gonna oh. go in today again anyway. We're gonna go deep in the bucket. Deep in the bucket. Give me a number. Give me a number. Danielle, you give a number. You know, one it's to twenty first. Twenty one. Yeah, it's the twenty first. Twenty one today. Yeah. Okay, this is from Anthony in Connecticut. Hey, I've been a fan of yours for some time now and thoroughly enjoy reading the articles you all write and listening to the recordings you put out. To commemorate the start of the new audio journey in the world of podcasting, I thought a good question would be, how did you get into the world of podcasting? Nope, that's not what it says. I'm still in anime mode. I have to bring it back down. How did you get into the world of games journalism? What are your histories in the field and how did you come to be where you are now? I figure this would be a good place to start to establish a baseline for people who are new to you. I think the last segment is a good place to start. <laughs> I think everyone knows who I am now. Show now my whole know. ass out on the internet. Now they know. So where did you, what, what is the, what is the arc for, for both of you on your way here? I, uh, I went to college for philosophy and psychology and fine art. I went nice. to graduate school for film. I got my master's degree in visual media art. Immediately started working at the American Civil Liberties Union, and then mm -hmm. uh, freelance writing and also teaching. I had a few jobs, and uh, one day, uh, the call came up. I wrote, I wrote a ton of freelance stuff for a million different publications, and uh, yeah, Polygon was looking for a, a, a like a dedicated reviewer. So I was Ooh. there, and then I did a lot of video there, and I did a whole bunch of stuff, and then the rest is history. That's a that's a pretty good arc. How about you, Patrick? Oh, ah, jeez. Okay. So, um, uh, when I was younger, much younger, uh, when I was in, uh, I went to E3 for the first time when I was, uh, I can't remember if it's 13 or 14. A baby. Um, E3 98 and it was Atlanta. Um, I, I grew up, uh, in the Chicago suburbs, uh, happened to, uh, read a, a website called Gaming Age, um, which if you're familiar with the message board, NeoGAF. The uh -huh. GA part of that is Gaming Age. The F part is the Gaming Age forums. Um, at some point, they split off for reasons that are very interesting <laughs> but not worth getting into. Um, Has someone split written off. that history? They must have. I don't know if that's People's formally history. written somewhere. Uh, I feel someone did a big feature on NeoGAF at some point. That might have been a one-up at, um, oh. at some juncture, but Lord knows if that has been archived in any way. Um, and uh, they had an IRC channel, um, and I happened to just find my way into that IRC channel, hung out there. That IRC channel was connected to another IRC channel called Vid Games oh. on Fnet, mm. if people are uh, familiar oh, with Oh, yeah, of course, uh, Fnet. Um, was it Fnet or EFnet? It's EFnet. It's EFnet, but I always said Fnet. That's okay. Phonetic, yeah. It's like, like the NES, SNES thing, kind of just right, depends on. Right, exactly. Um, and a lot of people that hung out in that IRC channel uh, were uh, editors for EGM. Um, and they just happened to, before everything moved to San Francisco, um, EGM was actually produced out in a place called Lombard, Illinois. Um, so I got to know a lot of the folks uh, who uh, wrote for EGM. I got to know uh, them through this IRC sure. channel. Um, and then was able to like go and hang out at their offices. And then those people went on to move out to San Francisco and become part of 1UP and official Xbox Magazine, official PlayStation Magazine, and Computer Gaming World, which I guess later became Games for Windows live magazine um yeah. so anyway I, like i had this sort of like foundational uh total happenstance uh set of contacts in the industry and so in high school uh this was kind of happening in parallel where um 
a high school uh, teacher had said, hey, have you ever thought about what you want to do when you go to college? And I was like, ha, 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 no, nope, <laughs> nope, definitely am not giving it uh, any thought at all. And they said, well, you seem like a pretty good writer. You know, it's possible you could maybe turn that into something if you're – I was like, well, I'm not a very good creative writer. And they said, well, you know, at this time, newspapers, journalism was like a very viable path. There were tons of jobs in it um, back in um, the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and so I went into – uh, journalism in high school became like the ESC of my high school newspaper. And then for lack of any better ideas whatsoever, did uh, journalism in college, which is a completely useless degree. I do not recommend doing it. It wasn't completely useless, but almost anything else would have actually been more complimentary to what I ended up doing mm. than actually doing journalism uh, in, in college. But it was easy. I got to drink as much as I wanted on the weekends and not worry about it. Um, and... Uh, so in college, I would uh, split my time between uh, drinking and um, uh, my degree, and then I would also be freelance. I was really like my degree was just an excuse to get through four years while I was mostly freelancing on the side and starting right. to get paid for it. So I was starting to do um, reported features and reviews for a bunch of different magazines and one up as they were up and coming. And that, yeah, I got lucky when I was graduating. Uh, Luke Smith, who is now the design director on Destiny, which is always a weird thing to say. He was yeah. formerly the, the news editor at 1UP. Um, uh, he left. I was working under him for uh, a number of years. And then I was just the, the next man up. They, they called me out, and I came out to San Francisco and bounced around to nine different jobs or whatever oh, it is yeah. at this point. <laughs> well, I have I to say. Yeah, well, I, I was I went from I was at uh, One Up for six months, and then I uh, was poached to go work at MTV News. I was there for a year. Then the 2008 financial collapse happened, and I was laid off. And yep. then I went from MTV News to G4, and then G4 told me if I wanted to be on TV, they already had too many dudes, so I was not going to really be on TV. Um, they said if you, if it's like if you were a woman, you could be on TV right now because you're really good. Um, I was like, that's deeply cynical and sexist and weird, but okay, that's all right. So I left there, was there for a year. I went to EGM when that got rebooted, which might technically still exist, uh, out in LA. It was I forgot forced. that you did that. Oh, yeah. I try to forget on a daily basis. It was the worst job <laughs> I ever had. Um, and for uh, reasons that I'm still afraid of getting uh, legally sued for, I will yep. never talk about why, but it sure. was awful. Uh I was only there for like seven months, and then I went to Giant Bomb. Was there for f um, almost four years, and then some guy named Austin Walker stole my job. I don't know I who got, that I is. Got, I got fired. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not um, true. That's not true. That's definitely not true. Uh, and I was at Kotaku for almost two years, and now I'm now here. we're here. Oof. Yeah, nice. Oof. That's an arc. I have like a very unconventional. Not that like your stories are super conventional. Danielle worked for the ACLU. <laughs> But I think IRC comes up. I guess IRC actually is going to come up with my story, too, in, in a weird way. I was not at... Were you on down in, that? Were you one of those down that assholes? No, oh, I think man. I don't know. I actually don't remember where our... Eventually, our thing was just on a private IRC server that someone oh, had Oh, one set of up. those people. Okay, yeah, I one of you. those people. So uh, I went to college for, for philosophy uh, with a yeah. minor in English. Also philosophy, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so and I, I enjoyed my, my philosophy degree, but... Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but also, yeah, it was very much a like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm interested in this, not because I think it'll lead to a job. There's lots of me like telling people like Stephen Colbert has most of a philosophy degree. I don't know go. that he ever finished, but 
he definitely almost has one. Oh, these other famous people, this CEO has a philosophy <laughs> degree. That means it's okay that I have one now, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I got out of college. I actually, so I actually was supposed to go to grad school way earlier. I was supposed to go to grad school uh, in 2007. Um, and a combination of things made me immediately drop out. And there's two things. One was there was like this email chain going around from all of the different people. One was, one was I couldn't afford to go to grad school. Straight up. Yeah, that's um, the I biggest, yeah. And, and I could have pushed and tried to get loans and all of that. But what happened was this email chain was going around about the incoming class. And uh, the, that email chain was super intimidating. Of just like, oh, I'm not ready to be here. And so when none of my, one of my, none of my uh, I applied for a bunch of scholarships and grants and stuff. None of that came through. And it was like, okay, do I want to take out a loan for this thing that I don't feel very prepared for? Like, these are people who've been around the world. These are people who have done way more intensive, like, undergrad programs than I had done like I, I'm not gonna say I was a I was a slacker I was a slacker in undergrad um I missed a lot of classes and did well did well enough despite that um but was very much despite that not like I was not necessarily applying myself as well as I should have been um and so I ended up just living in New York and getting a bunch of weird jobs I was a trademark researcher for a while I like worked I like kind of was a proctor and like set up classes for this technical for this program that let like clothing designers do their business side of of clothing design very weird stuff weird and on the side started writing here and there and i I ended up making this one really long post in defense of call of duty 4 (laughs) on kotaku this is in 2008 or something 2007 2008 uh that was like actually it wasn't on kotaku it was kotaku had reported at the time on this guy from the miami herald or, or maybe not the Herald, or some Miami uh, newspaper, um, writing about how much how how cynical he was about the world of video games and how his son was playing this war game, Call of Duty Four: Modern Warfare. And I wrote this like essay length, Austin Walker ass Austin Walker thing <laughs> that was like actually Call of Duty Four is really good about uh, cr- critiquing uh, war and dehumanization. And I talked about um, the the contrast between. Uh, uh, the level where you're in the like gunship um, and then cutting from that to the one where you're like on the ground and how like on the, the gunship side, it's all super dehumanized and like just like people very calmly talking about killing lots of people. And then on the ground, it's just like muddy and gross and you're weak and being chased and it's miserable. And I really liked that. And so I wrote this whole big thing about that. And some people there noticed me who, you know, I was a Kotaku commenter at that point. Um, and also at that point, I was already thinking about getting into games journalism because the stuff at GameSpot had happened. Jeff had, had been let go oh, uh, from GameSpot and that had already made me like, mm, I should write about games. And then soon after I wrote that thing, uh, EGM shuttered and 1UP fired a bunch of people. Uh, and I was, a, I'm like an old school EGM. I grew up on EGM. I grew up loving 1UP. The 1UP show was like so ahead of its time. Um, and when that shut down, I was like, oh shit, I want to write about games for a living. Like, uh-oh. There was this gnawing thing like, oh, one day I'll have a review in EGM, and that isn't going to happen anymore, at least not until this other new different EGM showed up, which doesn't, it has some heritage to the old EGM, but it's oh, not it's like it's got it, the same name. Uh-huh. Uh, so I ended up at that point trying to figure out how to do it, and I ended up becoming the North American editor of this site called One Last Continue which was this, like, uh, like, there are a billion of these sorts of sites that are like, oh, it's, like, C-tier, a bunch of people, like, barely able to put two pennies together, barely able to make rent on whatever ad income we had coming in. Mm. Um, it's completely gone from the web now. The, the only other person who's still in games from that site, I think, 
is uh, Sean McIlroy, who does like web support stuff over oh, at Vox now. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. Polygon. And yeah, yeah. And... So Sean, Sean was the UK was the Euro editor, while I was the North American editor. It's a good dude. Um, good and we were, I was in a chat with them that were like a bunch of Kotaku fans at the time. <laughs> Again, this is like the mid two thousands. This is crescente era Kotaku or the late late two thousands. As Stephen was coming on, like I ended up getting in because I ended up being like on terms with like. Steven and Nguy Kroll and some other New York games writers. At the time, the New York scene was like barely a thing. Um, and I started hanging out with those guys. And then the economy fell apart. And like my the little game site that I helped run couldn't do it anymore. And my side gigs all dried up and I couldn't find freelance work. And Phil Kohler, who at the time was a game informer, was trying to get me something happened in there. And that didn't really work. Um, and I bring up his name because eventually I would go back to grad school do all the grad school stuff I was doing. And while doing my PhD, Phil was like, oh, you should start streaming with me. And so I started doing streaming with Phil Kohler and the stream friends. And then from there, started freelancing like more regularly and doing game crit stuff. And that was only like three or four years ago and very quickly spun up to like, okay, getting back into this full time and Giant Bomb and then here. So very weird path through academia plus streaming plus you like struggling to do it on your own. Um, and I guess like for me, the lesson of all that is just like, there is no one way to get into games journalism. It's a question we get asked all the time. And that answer, the question is like so much more complex now than it was a decade ago. I could tell you how to get into games journalism 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> now like it's, it's tough. And I think you need to be increasingly multi-talented. You need to be ready to do podcasts. You need to be ready to do video stuff. Like Danielle, the fact that you do video production is not a thing we didn't miss. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like oh yeah. wow, yeah, she does video production. I always throw too. that in people's faces when I'm like right. going for a job. I'm like, oh, I got my master's in this. Right. Any any of us could edit a could could edit a podcast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we needed to have that talent to get us where we are now, yeah. um, in some ways. So so that's to me is is that sort of versatility and flexibility is sort of shitty. I would love it if I could just have someone who's all they do is write. Yeah. I hope to hire that sort of person in the near future, but it's so much easier to be like, oh, I need someone who can do a billion things just in case the world is on fire one day. And, and the world is always on fire. Things. Like with what it we do, out. it's it's sort of like things move really fast and sometimes things don't work out with like the dedicated person who does this in whatever department. So it's always nice to be like, okay, just do the thing, make the thing happen. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, so, so I, you know, if you're someone who wants to get into this this industry, it is, it is so hard for me to be like, rah, rah, go do it. Uh, but at the same time, I love seeing new voices get into the industry. So if you think that you have something to say, like find yourself an outlet, whether that is YouTube videos. I mean, there are people out there who are doing really creative stuff uh, over the last couple of years. People like uh, Aaron Signal and Heather Alexandra are fantastic on YouTube doing YouTube crit. There are lots of people who are breaking in. Obviously, Gita Jackson just, just started over at Kotaku and she started as a freelancer and a, a Twitter person. Um, there there are ways to do that that work and like, the, the advice I'm just gonna gals. I want to throw totally. them out there. Yeah. Too, oh, yeah. The, they're doing the, rad stuff the, too. Yeah, that stuff is so good. Yeah. Um, I love them to death. Uh, there's some fantastic people out there who just do wonderful stuff, and and it's a lot about finding your niche and like finding out how you can identify a place for you to come in. Um, like we said earlier, we pre-recorded an episode for Friday where we answer a bunch of questions, and uh, something like this comes up, so I'll. I'll Forward and forward you if you have more questions about that to Friday, where we will talk a little bit more about about that. I think that's going to do it for today. I think we made it. We've been podcasting a lot today, we did it. guys. <laughs> this whole day has been, 
we'll do another four podcasts. Oh, what's that? Did I say four? That means that there's a third podcast? That means there's another <gasps> podcast coming? Oh Is it maybe going to be a podcast entirely devoted to the beautiful lore of Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroin, Whee! Infinite Duel? No, it isn't. It isn't. We're going to have another podcast tomorrow, actually, about a story that will run by then. I, I hope. It's a very <laughs> special episode. We've been working on a big story that we just, it, it's taken a lot uh, of, of checking and double checking and, and dotting all the, the I's and crossing all the T's. And I think we're just about ready to move forward on it. So look for that tomorrow. It's, it's pretty dope. Uh, anything else you want to talk about coming this week? No, just play Pokemon. It's great. I need to play Pokemon. It's so good. I haven't played it's it at all. It's the game you need when you just want to chill. It's perfect. That sounds good to me. Yeah. How about you, Patrick? Anything else big coming down the pipe? Mm, I'm just trying to finish, because uh, I won't be won't be near my computer after Thanksgiving begins, so right. I'm going to try and finish Dishonored before uh, I am separated from my from my computer. <laughs> Get it done. I believe in your ability to do Thank that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Good job. For uh, Patrick Klepik and Danielle Riendo, for... Uh, uh, Bowen, who helped us by letting us use his track Miss You off of his EP um, Pale Machine. Got it. Got it. It's in my head right here. It's a good song. Uh, for, for everyone else who's involved and who helps us make this show every week and helps us on the, the website, uh, which you can find at waypoint.vice.com. I hope you all have a good holiday. Uh, tune in again tomorrow to listen to our, our podcast about the story we're running. It's pretty cool. Have a good week otherwise. You know, just just hopefully you get some time off. Hopefully you can spend it with the people you love and hopefully none of those people are terrible racists. <laughs> if they are, persevere. You can do it. I believe in you. Persevere. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.